A Quick Timeout podcast is presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Dr. Dish machines are the most advanced shooting machines on the market. If you haven't already, join top programs like the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Duke Blue Devils, and countless others and upgrade to Dr. Dish Basketball. And now, save an extra $300 on select models when you mention Quick Timeout Podcast. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. It's great to have back on the show Coach Mark Cassio. Coach Cassio has recently moved full-time with his platform for basketball coaches, Courtside Consulting. And so periodically throughout this basketball season, we're going to have him jump on the podcast to discuss some relevant topics based on the time of year. So, Coach, appreciate you coming back on and also agreeing to do this with me throughout the season. Yep. You know I love to do this, man. It's an honor. Always a good time. Coach Cassio has has great stuff and always get a lot of great feedback when he's on the podcast. It is November. The basketball season is here, and at least for everyone I've talked to, they're either in the process of going through tryouts or they're nearing the start they have coming up, the start of basketball practices here in the next week or two. So with that in mind, I want to kind of touch on both of those, both tryouts and the early season practices. Coach, let me start with the tryouts. Do you have any kind of method for how you go about organizing those? Tryouts were a big part. It's a big part of being a coach. It's the worst part of being a coach. Uh, And I was at a school that was luckily to have a lot of numbers come out. So Usually for our freshman team, we had those tryouts separate. We would have anywhere from 60 to 80 uh, sign up and, and try out. So we tried to structure it as much like a practice as we could. Uh, that way we got one, we got a little head start on teaching them our, our system. But two, I wanted to see what players, how, how they could operate in a practice setting. Uh, you're going to have more numbers in the gym. So as a coach, you have to account for that. What we tried to do is do some mass reaction drills, have as many balls as we could, but also play a lot of our continuous games where there's not a lot of starting and stopping, not a lot of transitions. Uh, so I think less is more. You know, I think in a in a setting like that, you're going to stick with your drills and games for a little longer than you would in a practice setting. Give everybody enough opportunities to have reps and for you to see them. And then the less transitions you have from game to game, drill to drill, you'll save some time. Um, I think it's important to have a system to know who's who. And they, you know, we would do a Google form for signups and then we could assign them a number and then put a little name tag on their chest. So it is foolproof where all your coaches have a sheet of paper of who's who. We have a little coding system that we use. And then uh, either during or after we would, um, you know, debrief on on who we had in the running and, you know, who was looking good, who was looking like they might need to develop more. Um, so running it like a practice, we would do more drills than games, although we want our practices to be more games based. I actually like drills in a tryout setting for a couple reasons. Uh, the unfortunate reality for some players or the fortunate reality for the better players is you can do a couple drills, ball handling, passing, shooting. And I think you can get your top, let's say 10 to 15 players pretty quickly. You can get your bottom 10 to 15 players maybe 20 to 25 players really quickly. And the rest of the tryout, you're evaluating everybody. Everybody gets a fair shot, but you're really kind of honing in on that middle group. Mm-hmm. Um, so drills were good to just kind of trim the fat or see the, the you know, who rises to the top really early. 
but I also like to give some instruction to see who listens, what their level of focus is like. Can they listen, see something demonstrated and then do? Uh, and then also who's eager to learn, you know, who's there because their friends signed up, uh, but who or who's really committed to being a good basketball player. And then finally, just going into our games based uh, approach to it. I wanted the I wanted players to have the opportunity to do a lot of different things because we wanted versatile players, you know, our system designed by 0.5, which I'm sure we've talked about, you know, a lot on a quick timeout. What we're going to shoot it, drive it, or move it on the catch. Uh, I want players that can defend and rebound and do a lot of different things. In my opinion, at the high school level, you know, especially at the varsity level, if you're going to be a specialist, I think you got to be elite. So if you're if you're really only a shooter or only a defender, you've got to be in the in the elite level category for us. Not that we didn't have specialists, uh, but that's what we'd be looking for. I think small sided games, five on five and even one on one are really good. So you can see, you know, what can they do, um, you know, in a basketball setting outside of drills? Can they play with their teammates? Do they have natural instincts to understand spacing, kind of see who has the basketball IQ there and then how they use their skills. But I also, think you don't ignore like who's tough you know if you do some hard drills where you got to get a few stops in a row or you're playing one-on-one you know who's going to like really really battle or who's a guy that quits on the first shot uh so you kind of get a feel for toughness competition multiple efforts all those things that we might neglect if we're just you know focused on too many uh skill stuff in, in the tryout if that makes sense yeah, several things I'm glad you mentioned. I teach a coaching basketball class to young coaches. And uh, one of the things that we talk about watching that middle group, um, I think sometimes the tendency is to watch the best players and then start to daydream about how great your year is going to be. And we all know that like you're once you get to practices, you're wishing that you've probably paid closer attention to the middle group because they're the ones that, that you've actually got to practice yeah. against. But without completely ignoring the ones who have no shot, like you said, I think that you can strategically with a few dribbling drills, passing drills and shooting drills, eliminate who that is, which allows you to spend time focusing on that middle group. The other thing that you mentioned in regards to playing, I think this is where you can really have your, your three on three kind of shine. You know, you go five on five. How many times is a kid going to touch the ball? May not give you a real sense of what reality is. And to your point that, Great point, because I do think we would gravitate towards watching the the bet, who we know is going to be on the team, and then you start daydreaming. That's a great point. Uh, we would try to be intentional, too, as, as tryouts went on. We, we did a three-day process. We would start to tweak the teams, tweak matchups to where, you know, if, if these two guys were really battling for one spot, we could make sure they were competing against each other. Um, and also – we never, you know, every program's different. Every state is different, but I never put a cap. 24 is a great number for us in our JV varsity uh, because the way we, we practice, we practice together the way we would split up. That worked really well. But if, if 25, 26 deserve to make it, you know, you always have a multi-sport player that may not make it to the winner or injury. So I never wanted to put a hard cap to me. It's, you know, if you were good enough, you were good enough no matter the number. In our freshman team, we tried to keep about 15. That's a lot. Um, and it's hard because a lot of those guys will not play, but you always have your late bloomers, your guys that develop late. And 
somebody you think you really are, are high on in that first day of tryout, like you were talking about, as the season goes, might start to revert back to the mean there. All right, here's the question that I get. Are you a post-the-list guy, or how do you let them find out I made it or I didn't? It's 2023, man. We can't post the list anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, so what we did is we rewrote emails. Uh, every one of our uh, players that or students that were trying out had an, a unique you know, school email address. I would... Um, personalize the email as the cuts got more difficult. Uh, so we would have maybe a first cut after two days, another cut after three days. And then I would offer the opportunity to speak with me one-on-one as uncomfortable as that is. I think you owe it to them. And, um, you know, if they were truly on the fence, then maybe you give them some advice on how they would potentially try out the next year. Uh, and for the guys that do make it, it's a great opportunity. You know, most of the guys that make it don't want to meet because they think they've arrived. Uh, but if they do, it's a great opportunity to sit down and, uh, and tell them what you saw, allow them to ask questions about the program and, and make it part of the onboarding process. I knew one guy old school a little bit, but that final cut, he would actually hand write them a letter. And I know a lot of coaches are going to hear that and write that off. I don't have the time to do it, but. I think it was more than just old school. He really cared about the kids, which uh, if you don't do that, I'm not saying you don't care about your kids, but just it allowed him to to show that he was really thankful for them coming out and even kind of encourage them a little bit with, you know, these are some things you can work on and that kind of thing too. So I yeah. thought that was, if you have the awesome. time to do it, then maybe do something like that. All right. So once you got your team, now it's time to start practices. I'm sure you've, as a coach, have been thinking about what this is already going to look like. But if I were to ask for primary objectives early on, what are you attempting to accomplish in those first three days of practice? That's a good question. Uh, I think it, it does vary depending on your year. Are you changing systems? Uh, do you have a lot of experience coming back? I think the benefit of practicing JV and varsity together really helps with continuity there, whether you are even changing systems or not, because they've been in your practices, they've heard your voice, they're used to your style of teaching and the way you're going to practice. Um, but for primary object objectives starting at the season, hopefully we've already established our non-negotiables, our standards for practice. Anytime before we did something for the first time, I wanted to have player-led standards. So we're about to start practice. What does a great practice look like? Let's write all these ideas on the, on the whiteboard and consolidate those into our daily standards for when we're in practice. Uh, and then as far as on the court stuff goes, hopefully we have gotten some teaching in as far as installing some things before. If not, if you're starting from square one, it's obviously going to be more instruction, more teaching that's when you might lean on a couple drills. And then once you get through those drills, we're really focused on game. So when I say drills, that's going to be a lot of instruction, you know, a player with the ball or you're setting up. This is, this is how we guard the ball. This is where we're influencing it. This is where we play one pass away. You're installing, you know, terminology, those type of things. Uh, but offensively, uh, we ran a drive and space offense. So we had to to put our big rocks in the jar. Those big rocks were obviously spacing. You can't run drive and space without space. We like to play fast. Some people call it pace and space. So we're going to install our pace, our space, and then ball movement. So we've all heard the analogy. If we've got a jar and you got to fit all these things in, you get your big rocks in first and everything kind of falls around that. Our big blocks would be pace, space, and ball movement. So pace would be installing our transition. 
And I love starting there because one, it's, it's part of our identity, but two, it allows you to flow into your spacing template. And I think spacing goes into kind of three, three buckets would be your transition. Okay. Can we get spaced in the full court and arrive spaced in the half? Uh, and then can we maintain our spacing? And this is something that as coaches, I do private consulting for when I'm watching their film or troubleshooting with them in our meetings, it almost always comes down to we're losing flow in offense because we're not maintaining our spacing. We might arrive spaced. And then as we start to pass and cut and drive, then we're just, it's a free for all. Okay. So, um, First is transition. Second would be, can we arrive space when we're cutting and the, we're passing and, and cutting and the ball is moving, players are moving. And then the next piece would be, uh, can we space the floor off dribble penetration? Uh, so how we do that, the cutting is, it's basically installing your cuts and your actions. And then dribble penetration, I would do that through games. Uh, a lot of our small-sided games, like you do, um, advantage, disadvantage stuff. You can manipulate those games to where players are cracking back. They're looking for skip backs. They're holding corners where we're getting our dribble penetration spacing. Uh, and then finally, another big block, obviously, or big rock would be ball movement. That comes down to two things for us, 0.5, shoot it, drive it, or move it on the catch. Uh, and then um, our drive pass option. We drive through big gaps. We pass through small gaps. That is a principle of play for us. A couple other ones on ball movement are we always pass to the first open player uh, because that's going to generate ball speed and ball movement for us. And anytime we move the ball, we move the defense. So pretty quickly we can get our base in with those you know, principles of play. And then from there we install actions and concepts that are just kind of layered on top. I'll echo from the offensive perspective. I think – teaching them how to arrive and just simply building the habit of how to arrive that you don't arrive. Well, the rest of the possession typically doesn't go well. And it seems like kind of an undervalued skill offensively. And from my experience, especially with my new players coming in, they don't value that. They don't, they don't think that that's that big of a deal. And we're 20 plus practices. We're over three weeks in a practice for us. And I'm still having to address and teach how you arrive. And uh, they're still learning how, when I don't arrive, it doesn't it doesn't go well. And then, like you said, I mean, you you start moving, <laughs> then the the spacing kind of deteriorates from there. So, uh, probably one of those under undervalued ones. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but altogether, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with Sports Code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's Advantage Tagging and Next Level Stat Reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing pieces to get the most out of every second of film. Learn more at huddle.com slash a quick timeout. A big thanks to 323 Sports for supporting the show. The guys with 323 Sports are a team dealer providing uniforms, gear, equipment, and more to schools and colleges across the country. I've used them on multiple occasions, and their customer service and low prices are second to none. To find out more, visit 323sports.com, where you can reach out directly to a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. Here's something that we did. I'll get your opinion of this, or if you've ever done this before. I have no idea if I like it or not, because this is the first year we've ever done it. I I like it so far. Um, I don't know if it's going to, I'm going to look back and see that it provided any value. But we basically said, 
we're going to teach everything offensively like the first two or three days. And I mean everything. We introduced every single sidelines out of bounds play, every single blob, at least that we're going to use through the first half of the season. We introduced every every set, um, showed them every almost pretty much every offense that we did. And I feel like that allowed us to start playing earlier. That doesn't mean that the plays looked great early, but we started playing earlier. Have you ever done anything like that? Would you advise it? Did we make a mistake? What do you feel? There's definitely more than one way to do it. So the jury's still out. Um, you know, y'all are unique because you have to go so long without working with your players. Um, I know at the high school level, maybe coaches that are able to practice in the summer take that approach of let's just install as much as we can and we refine it in the fall. Division one level, we could do the same thing. Um, some years we we installed more than others, but I know a lot of programs do exactly what you're talking about is let's get everything in in the you know in the early fall and then from there we're refining it as we go so i definitely agree it's going to allow you to play sooner and it's giving your players context to where they can see the hole and then we're building up to like you said it might not be great now but they know where we're going so i don't think you can go wrong that way and it might also ease some anxiety of players of that like i don't know what we're doing i don't know why we're doing this i don't know where this fits in so you're probably checking a lot of those boxes which is a positive thing. While we're talking about it, the how quickly do you start playing is something that coaches will ask me a lot. And you've talked about the small small side of games disadvantage. I think typically what they're asking is how fast do you get to five on five and how much five on five do you do, especially early on? Yeah, good question. So there's two zones. There's learning zone and performance zone. And I think the... The hard part for a coach is you, you it, it's hard to get to the performance zone because they don't know anything yet. But on the flip side, the hard part for a player is that they want to play. They want to get to the five on five and the competitive stuff uh, and the teaching stuff, even if they're eager to learn, is still kind of boring. So as a coach, you have to balance that. Uh, but I think learning and fun does not have to be separate. And I, that is a huge area of growth for coaches. So we would get to five on five day one. And if you have continuity in your program, if you're not always changing your defense and offense, this is easier to do. But let's say it's first year as a head coach, you can you can do more competing if you're okay with the messy and you're comfortable teaching with the games-based approach and a constraints-led approach. So how I would start playing, I mentioned earlier our ball movement or our spacing. Um, let's take ball movement here. Uh, we drive through big gaps we pass through small gaps i might play five on five and that's the only thing i care about so if we keep our success criteria uh really specific of we're going to drive through big gaps double or triple gaps we're going to pass through single gaps where we're installing our gap principles and the way we're going to move the ball with the pass and the drive we have to let everything else go you know our spacing might not be correctly correct they might run actions that you don't even have in your offense, that's okay. But anytime maybe we drive a single gap, that's an opportunity to stop, recreate. So players are learning through playing, but you're not just letting them just play out there five on five with no coaching or intervention. We're always coming back to the success criteria. As they start to get a feel for that, add something in. Okay. So now 
Uh, we've played five on five. We're starting to understand our gap rules. They're starting to find solutions where this is a single gap to my left. So I've got to drive to my right here if I'm going to make a play off the bounce. Then you can start just add one layer to that. Okay, anytime we pass, uh, let's screen away if that's part of your offense or let's cut away or, or let's basket cut, whatever that part of your offense is. But we've all, well, we all, we all know this, but uh, the evidence is saying that drills don't transfer to games or to live play. So let's let's recreate the live play and teach through that where, all right, anytime we pass, we're going to basket cut now. Play five on five. If someone passes and stands, hold, recreate. Tony, if you could do that again, what would you do differently? If he says cut, he's got it. He knows what to do. We're, we're shortening that performance gap of what I know and what I do. If he doesn't know the answer, you're checking for understanding. He doesn't understand what to do. Now we teach. So opportunity to play five on five immediately. And then as you reference, we're going to compete with our advantage disadvantage game because really you're working on the play after the play where we're not working on creating the advantage. We're working on expanding and using the advantage. Especially early on there's for us, there's a lot more stoppage and asking the questions and the recreating when coaches ask, how early do you play? I sometimes get the sense we're just playing five on five for 10 minutes. And then we maybe will we'll film it and watch film the next day. We do that, but that usually comes a little bit later on. Early on is more reflective of what you guys like to do. We had one more question. We're going to attempt any time that we do these to post on Twitter, X, ask questions about the topic that we've got coming up. And one that was asked that I thought was good, how do you start practices? Um, different philosophies in regards to what you're trying to get out of those first 20 minutes, whether you're player development or if you're trying to recreate competitiveness so that you start your games better. But how did you like to structure those first 15, 20 minutes of your practices? I like this question because I love talking about practice. So uh, in practice design structure, um, we would have our players uh, come in the gym. They would they would flow in from the locker room whenever they were dressed and ready. We would have our players go through a pre-practice routine. We would give them a ball handling routine, a shooting routine, or uh, some vitamins that we wanted them to work on. And so it would have their name. It would have Mark. And next to my name, it might say something like Barclays, where they could work alone or if somebody else had Barclays, Tony and Mark could go to a basket and play, you know, one-on-one -on -one Barkley against each other. I use that time. One, it's more intentional. If you don't give them anything, you can't be mad at your players for not using that time wisely. If you haven't taught them what working looks like or given them a system to where they're getting intentional work done. Um, so that was a way to make it more intentional. And it just put it in their head where if I, Tony, if I thought you'd be really good in a Barkley, just give me five really good Barkleys before practice just to put it in your head and it's a primer for you. Um, so we did that. Uh, if I could go back and coach, I would look at self-organizing in groups a little bit more where, you know, if you're the only one or you're the an odd number, you're going to get your ball handling routine in. Then once a partner shows up, we're going to do a partner activity. Once two groups of partners were done with that activity, we form a group of four and do an activity. And then that might just continue to build. And, and then we would start practice when everybody was up. Everybody's dressed ready. They got their pre-practice work in. Then we would go through any install period. If we were going to, so early on, a lot of teaching versus performance. 
So let's say this was our practice and we were talking about our drive pass option. Okay. So I would bring everybody on the floor. I'd give them our offensive spots and say, uh, you know, this is what we call a single gap. This is what we call a double gap or a triple gap. And doing that early does a couple things is one, you don't have to do so much talking before playing later in practice. And two, we're not getting them warmed up. And then middle of practice, we shut it down. Think about your classroom. You wouldn't teach or lecture for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and then say, hey, stop everything you're doing, check out for five minutes, and then let's come back to teaching, right? So in a practice, once we get them going, once we get that energy level up, we want to sustain that where it's not a lot of peaks and valleys. Um, and another thing the the install period early does is when you do come back to, let's say, the drive pass option, they've now heard it for the second time. So you're spacing those teachings throughout practice. Uh, so once we got through the installation period, then we would do our warm up. I got away from doing dynamic warm up for a couple reasons. I, I'm not for or against it. It's just what fit us, where we would get warmed up for basketball by playing basketball. That would be a lot of our skill stuff. Very little contact, very little adversity early, but we would we would kind of um, you know crescendo into competing at the end of that warm up, and then we're gonna circle. And get going. And the reason why I structured practice like that is picture your install period as your locker room talk on game day. And then your warm-up period as your warm-up, your pregame warm-up. Then when you circle, that's them coming to the bench before the game. And then when you break that huddle, you got to go compete. So you're training them to break that huddle and start fast. Uh, so we would start practice like that. We would want to be break that huddle, and we've already broken a sweat with our skills. Now we're going to go compete, and that might just be something quick. We can always go back to our skills, but once we've competed, our players have more juice. Okay, And then last thing I'll, I'll leave you with, because that's probably the first 15 to 20 there, is focus on behaviors first. So we had systems where some of our drills weren't designed so much for, for technical or tactical instruction. It was, let's get to the standard of our behaviors. Let's get our communication right. Let's get the energy lot right. Let's get the gym feeling like it's up to our standard. And then we're going to coach the technical and tactical. Very intentional practice design, probably something that we should circle back and talk about yeah. next time or later on. We'll be sure to do that. All right. Last big thing here in regards to whether it's tryouts or early season pitfalls to avoid or things that you've tried. And now I'm going to make sure I never do that again. And my coaches never do that again. Yeah, good question. I'll give you one for each. So one for tryouts. Pitfall would be if you don't know, if you're not sure, then you don't know. Extend your tryouts. Mm -hmm. And the way we would do that at the varsity level or JV level would be a meeting. Hey, man, like we love what you do. We're trying to consolidate numbers. This process is really difficult. We'd like to invite you to practice with us for the next two days where give them a practice jersey, you know, they're, you're starting your official practice. They're going to be a part of that. The longer you see a player, the easier it is to make the cut. Uh, and you give them a really fair opportunity rather than just going off gut or, or justifying, you know, why this player should or should not be on the team. Uh, and at the freshman level, we always had football season still going and we didn't have our football players at basketball tryouts because it was during their season or on the girl's side it might be a volleyball player is not at basketball tryouts yet 
So we did what we had extended tryouts where we would make a preliminary cut and we might carry 20 to 25 freshmen. They would practice until football season ended. Once football players signed up, then we would make our final cut. So some of those guys that practice for two or three weeks would end up getting cut. Sounds brutal, but man, it actually is probably, we never got complaints on that because we were doing our due diligence and we gave them a basketball experience. They had a few weeks to make friends uh, and build relationships, even if they weren't on the team. So I think overall it was a positive. Uh, and then I will say for practice, maybe a pitfall we make early in the season is we're doing all the things that we're excited about and the sexy things in our program, but we're forgetting about uh, just toughness wins, right? We still have to rebound the ball. Uh, we still have to, to coach effort and, you know, just playing hard. I think too many times we focus on um, team concepts instead of just behaviors of, you know, what wins. I think we'd all want tougher players, more physical players. We all want our players to run on and off the court and high five and support each other. So I wouldn't forget about those things. Tip, you know, sometimes it, it takes until you, you have a scrimmage and you're like, oh, wow, we're not, we're not very tough or wow, we don't rebound the ball at all. Now we got a week to fix it before our first game. So don't forget about the things that happen a lot and, and the things that really, really matter in winning. I think in reality, your defense can be a little bit behind. Your offense can be a little bit behind. If, but if you're going to play really hard and play physical and play tough, you'll be okay, especially early in the season. Probably some more things that we could give, whether that's drill or ideas for advantage, disadvantage drills, and maybe we can come back to that another time. But that's a great place to start. Uh, before I wrap up with you here, go ahead and point people where you'd like for them to connect with you and then where they can also find out more about Courtside Consulting. Yeah, uh, markcasio at gmail.com is my email. Um, and then the other place I'm active all over social media, the best place would be Twitter or X at Coach Cassio. Uh, DM um, are, are always, DMs are always open. I get coaches that reach out all the time. And what I'll typically do if you email me or, or DM me, I'll just give you my phone number. We can hop on the phone. I would love to talk basketball, answer any questions. I'm an open book on the phone. I love talking with coaches and sharing what we do and how we do it. Um, and if you're looking for uh, consulting, uh, courtside-consulting.com, or again, reach out to me with specific questions. One thing um, that I'm offering this basketball season, my first year not actively coaching a team, is doing practice observations. So I've traveled uh, to basketball programs and observed practice. Doesn't matter what system you run, but a lot of you know what we talked about today, maybe the first 15, 20 minutes of practice, can we refine that, make it more efficient? Uh, some teaching methods, feedback loops, uh, how to you know make it more efficient or, or um, decrease transition time, how to utilize assistant coaches. Uh, so that is something I'm really passionate about. The feedback on those has been phenomenal. So if you're looking for someone, just come in and give you a, a kind of a third party uh, observation. I'd love to do that. Please reach out. A great resource. Be on the lookout too on Twitter and X, like I mentioned before. We have Coach Cassio on again for questions where you might want to reach out to him. Coach, appreciate you coming on, making the time for this, and looking forward to having you along for the ride throughout the basketball season. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. I appreciate you and to all the coaches listening. Good luck on your season. <laughs>